1: Welcome to the She Slays the Day podcast with Dr. Lauren Brunslick. Direct, soulful, comedic, advice for female chiropractors' most stagnating questions. Let's talk business, marriage and relationships, momming and self-development. Here's your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick.
0: Hey everyone and welcome to the She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Lauren Brunslick and I'm super excited you're here today. Um, so today I was kind of nervous to do this interview because it's kind of out of what I would say my comfort zone is. So I associate, like I can get on a stage and preach, um, I can drop truth, I can help you find yourself and your core values and call you on your bullshit. But if you asked me to get on stage and educate about like, the science behind chiropractic or the science behind a lot of things, I would just kind of clam up and be like, not my strength. Um, I did great in school. But it just I'm just much more of a feeler. So like, a lot of times that science stuff never did anything for me. Like, and so I just kind of like memorized it and uh, took those tests. And now I'm like, woo, off to impact people the way God created me. So when I have today's speaker, Dr. Monique Andrews, is amazing. She's a chiropractor and a neuroscientist. um, And she's doing really cool things with research and chiropractic and consciousness and neuroimmunology and like all of these words that I'm like, wait now, that had seven syllables, what exactly is that? I was nervous. So when we were connecting prior, she said, don't worry, she called herself a science whisperer. And uh, that she is for sure. So we don't have somebody else writing in today, because when I when she agreed to be on the show, I had questions for her. And um, so basically, I stole that spotlight and said, like, I, me, me, I'm the person writing in. Um, We'll talk, you'll hear how we connected. But basically, it was over the topic of meditation, um, and my struggle to do it. And she's Well, okay, she probably would not like me saying like, I think she's probably a lot better than it. And I am. Um, And so she reached out to say like, yeah, I can help you with this. So it's awesome. It's great. It's Kirby's. After we got done, he said, that was my favorite interview you've done so far. So for all you science and spirituality, nerds and gurus out there, this is your episode. Um, Before we jump in, though, we are going to do our listener highlight. So this is from Rachel Worthy and it says, Hey, Lauren, I just started listening to your podcast. And I'm obsessed. I'm a third quarter chiropractic student. And since the quarter started this week, I've been listening to your podcast to and from school. I love how strong and bold you are. I feel like I've already learned so much from just three episodes. Listening to your show helps motivate me before getting to class and it picks me back up after a long day so that I have the motivation to study when I get home. I definitely plan on keeping this goal that I didn't even know I needed to set. Anyways, I just wanted to say I'm already a fan and can't wait to see what the rest of the episodes hold. Rachel, thank you so, so much. Um, I love our students because you guys need to be loved on and inspired weekly for sure because school is hard, yo, you are paying money, and you're not getting money. And it's just all this self doubt. And you're like, what does this even have to do with the real world. And so like, if I can just connect those dots and connect with you through a microphone, that's that just makes my day. Um, Rachel, if you don't have any weekly or sorry, not weekly slays, if you don't have any she slays the day stickers, uh, shoot me a DM with your address. And thanks for writing that review. And I will go ahead and. I will mail you some She Slays the Day stickers. Um. So speaking of weekly slays, I accidentally let that slip. So if you haven't signed up yet uh, for our weekly slays, these are short little emails that get sent out Sunday nights. They're in your inbox. Get them Monday morning. Um, if you're kind of on the fence, because I know you've heard me talk about them, I wanted to give you a little taste of what they're like. So I'm going to actually read a weekly say that went out a couple weeks ago in the inbox. Just so you have, you know, a little taste of like, well, I don't wanna give out my email unless I know what you're gonna be sending me, Lauren. All right, so this weekly say from a few weeks ago said, hey girl, if a caterpillar can hang out in acidic goo for weeks as the layers of his exoskeleton dissolve to reveal something prettier on the inside, you, my friend, can wake up 30 minutes earlier in the morning to work on your dreams. That caterpillar's only life goal is to work his ass off to be pretty for like five minutes. Actually, I once heard that the draft from a caterpillar wing is what influences ocean currents, so maybe it's more in-depth. But anyways, push yourself a tiny bit more this week. You have more drive than a caterpillar. I believe in you. Um, So those, like I said, they're meant to be short. They're meant to be to the point. They're meant to be a kick in the ass and inspire you and uh, make you think about the world slightly differently for a moment. So to make sure you're on our list and you're getting those weekly slay emails, go to sheslayspodcast.com forward slash besties. And they're free, of course, just in case. I don't even know how I would charge for that. That's ridiculous. Okay, so let's talk about Dr. Mo. Um, She is going to tell her story. Um, so you're gonna, I'm not going to do like a super in-depth because I like it coming better from our guests because they do it better. Um, but she is a chiropractor, a neuroscientist and an educator. And she speaks all over the world, bringing awareness to the latest research and how cool the brain and body is. Uh, she was a professor of neurology at Life Chiropractic College West for many years, and most recently has taken on a whole new venture with her wife, Dr. Tamara. They're living in Canada and started something amazing called the Prana Foundation, which she's going to explain. All I'll tell you is that Kirby and I, after the episode, were like, "Um, yeah, we're gonna find time to go to Costa Rica. So she is cool as hell. And I just think you're gonna love this. It is so different than any other uh, guest we've had on. So before we jump right in with her, we're going to do a prayer and then we'll get started. Thank you, God, for conversations like this um, that force us to question what we think we know uh, and push us to what we believe and understand and have more open hearts, realizing that we understand and know such a tiny, tiny amount. Help us realize that science and your spirit are not separate entities and we're not going to move forward as a society as you intend us to if we continue to think of them separately. Um, Help all listening to feel inspired by Dr. Mo like I was. she has an amazing brain and gifts that you gave her, holy cow. And give each of us listening the confidence to step into our own little like woo woo science geek coat and glasses person. Um even if we don't feel we have those skills. Remind us that like we worked our butt off and you gave us so many skills and it's okay to feel confident and brave and try on try on a different coat for a second. So in your name we pray amen. All right, y'all. Here we go. Here is Dr. Mo Andrews and me just talking about consciousness and ego and all wonderful, geeky, nerdy science, spirituality stuff. Here you go. Um. So do you like Dr. Mo? Do- do Most you like- people call me Dr. Mo. Okay. I was going to yep. say somewhere along the lines of uh, air quotes here, meeting you. I just <laughs> fell into that, like writing you an email, like, Hey, Dr. Mo. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did I make this up? Did I just give, like, you know, when you give your patients a nickname and you're like, sorry. Yeah, no. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's been with me a long time. It's really stuck.
0: Okay. (laughs) It's one of those ones that whether you like it or not, you're getting called Dr. Mo. All right. I'm super excited to have you on. Um, So I'll tell everybody listening kind of how we connected. Um, So honestly through instagram where everybody connects nowadays right but no we've never met each other in person not yeah but i had posted um on instagram that like in 2019 my goal was to like have a meditation practice and by that i meant like if somebody asks me do you meditate i mean most of us go oh yeah yeah i've i've meditated before um and i sucked i failed I didn't, I tried like the last month, like I'm going to do this. It didn't work. I am um, kicking off January much better, but you had reached out of like, we should talk. And so then I started doing what you do on Instagram and started stalking you. <laughs> you know, like, this chick is badass and I really wanted to have you on. So welcome to the show, Dr. Moll.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Lauren. It's a real pleasure. Uh, funny that we connected on meditation because some people know that, you know, that's one of my jams, but, uh, you know, most people know me as a neuro geek. Um, so really, I'm so excited that that's
0: actually how we connected. Yeah, and we—I'm sure we will dive into it. Um, so before we start, I have to like—I always like highlight this on my like notes before I go into an interview. Make sure you ask their backstory um, because I think on no less than five interviews, have I gotten about twenty minutes in, and I'm like, oh shit, we never told anybody who you were. Right. <laughs> oh, so, it's a cliche question. I hate answering it on other podcasts because I feel like I've said it. But for real, it c- would. Tell us your story, who you are. Wow, how far back do you want me to go? You (laughs) go as far back as your (laughs) inmate tells you to go.
1: (laughs) So uh, I'm a chiropractor, I'm a neuroscientist, and I'm a teacher. Mostly, that's how I see myself as a teacher. And that goes way back. Like I grew up in a small town in Newfoundland, Canada, which is like this little island off the East Coast. I now live on an island off the West Coast, Victoria, Vancouver Island. Anyway, uh, I actually went to school to become a journalist. And uh 3 years of that not going very well and not really finding any passion, I stumbled across psychology. I went to my first psychology class. It was like a freshman psychology class in my 3rd year. Yep. And um I was hooked. I became fascinated with the human mind and consciousness and uh that ultimately led me into doing a combined psychology, theology majors in undergrad, which then led me to a neuroscience master's degree. Okay. So chiropractic came later. After after that. Yeah. And in fact, yeah, you're like a degree junkie. Yeah, I'm a degree junkie. Yeah. So when I was doing my master's degree or shortly after I was a research associate, that's when I met this incredible woman and followed her to chiropractic school. Lots of people have great chiropractic stories. Mine is I followed a girl. Um, So we went to school together. Then we went back to Canada. We went to school in Palmer Davenport. Okay. Um, And then we went back to Canada where we were in private practice together for about 13 years. From there, we uh, have been. Te- we're teaching and administrators at Life Chiropractic College West for the last six years, finished up there, and now we're back in Canada, and we have created the Piranha Foundation.
0: Yeah, I saw that. So I think it's really cool. I feel like a lot of stories with chiropractors um, who fall in love with the science is they went to chiropractic first, and then... I don't want to say that it's like that they needed it to be more, but like they, it's almost like they wanted to like justify that like chiropractic is real. And so they like go down this thing of research. I think it's incredibly cool that you knew all this science and then were are like, found chiropractic and it's like, yep, everything I know, this is a profession, like this is worth my time and money to add this in. So that is,
1: Really cool and kind of unique. Yeah. Do you know what's really cool is what kind of happened was the opposite thing for me, where I had already had all this science, and I think it's a natural evolution to go from neuroscience to chiropractic, especially now. And I could talk about that forever, but what happened to me was in my, I think it was my third trimester, I got to hear Reggie Gould speak at, on campus. And I went from just Purely into the science of chiropractic to being completely immersed in the philosophy. So for me, um, that's why I can be so passionate because I understand the philosophy deeply. And, you know, chiropractic's a three-legged stool and it can't exist without any of those, you know, either the science, the art or the philosophy.
0: I'm glad you threw art in there. I'm like, wait, which the, what's the third stool? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So then, um, so science came first, then chiropractic. Um, a question on the science world, just really quick is science is mm-hmm. much of a dude's world as I anticipated it is? like, so when did you start going through this? Were you like the only female going through that program, not chiropractic, but like when you're getting your mask. No, you know, when you look at like hard
1: bench science, there is, you know, it's like any of any industry at the top tier, it's often, you know, the white male patriarch that runs it. Mm -hmm. But you know, like chiropractic now is 50% men and women, at least in chiropractic schools, not in chiropractic practice, sadly. Um, but in, you know, so oftentimes in bench science, it really depends on your program. You know, you take some complicated engineering programs, oftentimes those tend to be more male dominated, but I think it's really quite varied now. You know, science is not, all of our brains work very similarly. And, uh, I, th- I don't think science, uh, necessarily is dominated by males, at least not at
0: the bench level. Good. And, you, and you're seeing females. Yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't think it would have to do with brain um, function, but just like women being willing to enter the conversation of science. Yeah, I
1: think my neuroscience lab actually had more women than men in it. It was awesome. I loved that time. And I, it's my, you know, I, my passion is neuroscience as much as it is chiropractic. And um, I just love sharing it.
0: Yeah. Did you when you did you always know you wanted to teach? So like, you know it's hard because when you say you think of yourself as a teacher, I wanted to cut you off. You were only thirty seconds in, and I thought that would be rude. <laughs> <laughs> like you get warmed up a little more, um, but like so, doctor. You know all of the chiropractors listening know that doctor means teacher, but probably nobody does. Yeah. So when you say like you think of yourself as a teacher, do you? And now that you're back in practice back from teaching?
1: Not in practice, we're focusing solely on launching the foundation and um, developing a number of different programs through there, but we can probably talk about that a little bit later. I love this question where you're going on in terms of teaching. Um, And for me, no, I didn't always know. I remember in fact, uh, Brian Kelly, when I was at my early days at Life West, he said to me, you know, do you, did you train to be this good or is it just a gift? And honestly, I can't really answer that except to tell you that I feel like my highest calling is to teach. Um, When I was in chiropractic college, I had this awesome CNS instructor and his name was Gail Llewellyn. And he was a Mormon preacher actually. And he just had this ability to enrapture you, you know, teaching the hardest stuff to learn in chiropractic college. And I think that's what lit the fire for me to teach because I just wanted to inspire at the same level that he could. And uh, he's since passed. But when I think back on my chiropractic college experience, that's what I remember. And uh, I, I wanted to do that same thing for students when I was teaching
0: there. What I love that you said that you wouldn't normally hear associated with a CNS class, um, central nervous system, again, for none, uh, is inspire. And so that is, um, that's an interesting word that I haven't typically heard in like teaching science. And so you kind of incorporate that into the way that you teach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing, you know, that parable, right? If you feed someone, Mm -hmm. give someone a fish, you feed them for a day, right? And so my style of learning, I used to jokingly call it edutainment because students, like enjoyed my class. Students enjoy teaching, you know, my teaching. And um, once I got back the sort of, got beyond the ego stroking of that, I realized that I had this opportunity to like literally inspire people to engage them to want to know more. And I think that that's the, uh, goes beyond the idea of giving them a fish to, learning, teaching them how to think. Right. And I think that's something that is really amiss these days in this technologically focused world, right? Like our phones have changed our brains because you no longer have to store data. Well, our character is created by the data in the brain,
0: right? Mm -hmm. Well, if all the data is in the phone, what's in the brain? Right. No. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You should say that because one of the things I wanted to ask was like, do you find that the instant gratification and just the way social media is intentionally manipulating our brains to like seek more and more, is it harder to teach and get like Because in order for me to sit here and be inspired by by science and for you to like break down these principles to something that I can digest, I need to have a certain attention span and yearning for it. So have you found that your students over the last like decade have shifted in like, it just takes a lot
1: more? Well, here's the thing. I think that as teachers, we have a responsibility and uh, I just made a commitment to show up 110% every day. And I think I did a really great job at engaging students. And I think that's hard. I think that's not necessarily learned, but um, one of my mentors one time said, he, he was talking about ROFs actually. And he said, you should show up every day like it's a performance. And that just to be passionate about something is not enough. You have to also be effective at communicating that passion. And that was just a commitment that I made, that I make when I go into teach, whether it's in a classroom or on a stage, it's a commitment. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you left teaching in 2019, right? Yep. Okay. Do you, so. I do want to talk about the Prana Foundation, but like, do you miss having I definitely, that like daily with students? Yeah, I do.
1: I miss being there on the daily, like having that interaction. Um, We just came back from a seven-day retreat in Costa Rica, where we brought a group of female chiropractic students. And for me, that just fills me up. It feels effortless to be able to get to share that intensely with a small group of women. And so you know, I get to you know, dial into my teaching jam when we're in that environment. And that is from, you know, we do chiropractic workshops, we teach the meditation, personal development, and it's really just as much about serving others as it is serving self. It's, I love it. Yeah, I miss being there on the daily. Um, but I'm finding other ways through the foundation through some of our programs to be able to um, fulfill that craving of mine.
0: Well, and it's not so black and white that it's like you left and are not teaching. It seems like your path w- evolved into like teaching, it looking like in a different way, encapsulating more than like this textbook curriculum that I've taught. So
1: Yeah, definitely. And you know, I get to speak on stages all over the world and that's just for me, that's a thrill, you know? And and um that's teaching. I think t- we're all, if you're a chiropractor, you, you're teaching people every day. Um, might be in front of one instead of 1,000, but I think it's just as important.
0: Yeah. So let's, um, let's spin to the Prana Foundation. So you said that that was kind of the main focus after leaving Life West was to build up the Prana Foundation. So yeah.
1: You know, we, uh, after being in an educational, after being in practice for so long and then being in an educational institution, you really start to see where the gaps are. And so the foundation really we created is a nonprofit organization that's focused on creating a community and resources for not just chiropractors, although like you and your podcast, it's predominantly chiropractors at this point. I would say largely um, new chiropractors or chiropractors returning to practice and students. And essentially, what we've created is an organization where we have different resources and different venues for people that to help them heal and and that fosters growth in personal as well as professional development through education, through mentorship, through community. Um, and we do some of that through retreats and educational programs. Um, yeah. And it's just building. We launched the, uh, just before Thanksgiving and we have a private Facebook community called the Prana Foundation community group. And it's over 600 strong already. We do lives every couple of weeks and, uh, it's just been amazing and that's free. Anybody can join the Prana Foundation community page. And that is really all about, and my wife and I, Dr. Tamara McIntyre do, we host that group. And uh, one of the things that we do are these Facebook lives that have just been, Such an
0: incredible experience. That's amazing. I got to write that down because I have to join that. I didn't know. I didn't see that. So that is awesome. Um, So when you're picking these topics that you talk about within the Prana Foundation, I mean, you're... When you look at your bio and like the research that you've done, I mean, psychoneuroimmunology and neurology of reward and chiro and consciousness, like how do you, when, because you call yourself the science whisperer, I promise the question is coming. But like when you're dealing with a group of everything from chiropractic students to maybe even a non-chiropractor, but is interested in the retreat, how do you even begin to connect with what that group needs and break down all of the knowledge in your head to communicate it to them?
1: You know, we have been around in in the profession in chiropractic, you know, probably collectively between Tamara and I for, you know, about 40 years. And so we really see where those points of suffering are. And it's really easy, maybe it's not easy, but it's simple to see where the gaps are, especially for students and new docs, you know, whether that's in, how do I decide whether to associate or 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 be an IC? Uh, what do I do about my shitty ROF? How, what's what do I do about my exam flow? What do you mean when you say being of service? There's so, you know, actually there's so many topics, I think, you know, we could be doing this every week and, and be able to hopefully fill some of those gaps. It's not, it's not easy to see where the pain points are. And we ask, you know, we, there are a number of students and doctors that we mentor. And so it's easy to draw on that as well. And so the science piece for me is something totally separate. Okay, it's more heart. Yeah, it's really about how can we, you know, one of our core values for the Prana Foundation is easing the path. And so how can we ease the path of suffering for our colleagues, for our students, for our doctors? Um, and so, you know, yeah, we pull on our many years of wisdom to try and help and do that. I'm not saying we have all the answers,
0: but, you know, we have some. You got, you got a good amount. Okay, so easing the path is is kind of like that core value there. That is... Um, That makes sense then with a lot of what is being provided and who it's for. So you said that the gaps became really clear. Um, Why do you think that easing of the path is so needed? Like, do we, do you think that this goes across multiple different professions? Do you think that like medical doctors need like an easing of the path or is this kind of like a chiropractic specific?
1: No, this is a fundamental principle of humanity, easing the path. I mean, um, we could use any Christian Buddhist, you name it and follow all the way back to those spiritual philosophies that, you know, I think Our purpose, certainly my purpose here on this planet is to ease the path for others. It's about human kindness. That's not endemic to any profession. That's, you know, a lesson we can learn from Jesus, from Buddha, from Muhammad, from whoever. What's our job? Our job is to be kind and take care of one another. That's not a foreign concept, but I think it's something that many have forgotten. And, uh, you know, technology today has isolated us And we need community. We need connection. So for me, easing the path 100% is my greatest job as a human being.
0: Okay. And so that's where like the psychology aspect, that's where that passion kind of started. So then how does the science, and I'm so sorry if this is a dumb question, how does the science fit in with this? Spirituality and love and easing of the path. So, um,
1: gosh, where to begin? I'll try and put the crumbs really close together. That's something I say I always do, okay. and that is if you look at so if we take consciousness for example, oh, if you okay, look at God. what's consciousness. So, consciousness is basic. There's different types of consciousness, but if we talk about it from a purely um, well, even from a scientific perspective, consciousness is our awareness of what's happening in the world, right? And so... Is that
0: like the ego, the
1: id, the... I think ego gets represented ego? pretty dominantly in consciousness because okay. it's this running narrative. That's it's, run, it's like a river. It's this stream of consciousness that's always going. It's this constant mm-hmm. narrative. And, you know... Consciousness is something that's been called the hard problem of science because it's only in the last 20 years really that neuroscientists started to study it. Because no pun intended, we just can't get our head around it. It's like, how do you study that something that's so intangible, right? Mm-hmm. And um so I've been studying consciousness for probably this is gonna make me sound really old for 30 years. Um, and then the chiropractic thing came after. But What's beautiful now is that the chiropractic neuroscience tells us that the areas of the brain that are impacted by the adjustment are the same areas where neuroscience today is starting to say consciousness resides. Really? Yeah. So, specific type of adjustment, specific vertebrae? No, no, no. It, you know, if you look at the way that information gets transmitted to the brain. So if you stimulate the spine, you're going to send a message back to the brain through sensory spinal tracts. And what then happens is certain areas of the brain are going to respond to that information. So one area in particular is the prefrontal cortex that really, you know, shows dramatic changes in electrophysiological studies, metabolic studies, when you adjust someone, you'll see that you're going to see stru- changes in structure and function of the prefrontal cortex. Now, here's where the consciousness piece comes in. Let me know if I, if I lose you at any point. Yeah,
0: yeah don't worry, <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> Consciousness, one of the main areas. Now, consciousness, they've been playing around in neuroscience to see where it resides. One of the main areas that they're seeing that there's actual conscious thought is the prefrontal cortex. And that that really is the seat of what makes us uniquely human. Because it's, it's more developed in the human, the cerebral frontal cortex, than any other species. Because, you know, we're supposed to be this, in terms of the hierarchy, the highest evolution of thinking beings, right? I mean supposedly the only thinking beings, right? So a dog does not have consciousness. What's that? So a dog doesn't have consciousness? Well, I I think, (laughs) I think maybe dogs and cats do. And that, you know, honestly, uh, Amy Haas is this brilliant friend of mine. One time we were talking, I said, what percentage of information do you think we understand about the brain? And I'm thinking double digits, like maybe 11, 12. And she's like, "Mm, maybe 2%. And I was like, crushed. Wow. Um, So we know so little. I think that, We're never going to know everything there is to know about the brain in my lifetime. And that's part of what makes it amazing. I think because there's so much to (sighs) landscape to explore. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it shares a, um, uh, something with like, so we're not going to know nearly as much about like space in the universe in our lifetime. And we're also not going to know, we maybe know 2% about like energy and spirituality and all of that. Like, and it's funny because we have so many people who are trying to be like, no, this is how it is and refuse to open up that like, we really don't know most of what's going on. That's, that's, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you were going, I was going to say, that's the
1: scariest thing when people just close their mind down. That's, that's scarier than not knowing is
0: scarier than refusing to know. Yeah, absolutely. So you were starting to line up the cookies for me of how this is, like how the science comes together with this. You were saying the prefrontal cortex... We have so when
1: Yeah, when you adjust somebody, you actually are impacting the brain and not just the cerebellum and in ways that affect locomotion and sensory experience, but actually potentially impacting the way we think, the way we feel, the way we experience this vast richness that's our life, right? And so for me, that's you know, we have this idea that chiropractic unites man, the physical with man, the spiritual, or human, the physical with human, the spiritual. Well, the idea that if we are adjusting the brain in areas that change our conscious experience, our sense of spirituality, perhaps our sense of energy, even then I think that really closes the gap on that argument between how do we do that? If we're claiming we're uniting man, the physical, with man, the spiritual, well, tell me how, because that's what everybody wants to know. I'm saying we're closer to that answer than we ever have been. Interesting.
0: And is it always positive? Like, is is every adjustment always going to give positive consciousness to the prefrontal cortex, or is it? Is there such a thing as? I don't negative think consciousness. I mean, I don't think
1: we're. I don't think it's not like oh, adjust here and you're going to increase your consciousness by ten percent. Well, I don't think it's like that. You know, we have this idea that when we. Uh, the adjustment is about removing any interference to the body's innate intelligence to grow and heal and to be infinite in its potential. I think it's just like that. And and no more that we can really pinpoint, I'm going to, you know, change this aspect of your behavior. Can we say we're going to change this aspect of consciousness? It's so fluid and dynamic. I would never make that claim.
0: Right. Got it. Okay. So when I meditate, so much of the goal is to get that constant thought train to stop and just be, you know, like, so am I dulling and ignoring the consciousness? Or is that the observer, calm state, the ultimate consciousness? Like, Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I do. (laughs) It's a great
1: question. It's actually something that we teach on our retreats. And that is about that. There's different states of consciousness. Now, a lot of people are sorry. There's different types of meditation. There's different states of consciousness too. That's a whole other story. But what I wanted to say is that there's different kinds of meditation. And a lot of people have, they have this misperception that you're supposed to sit in a corner and not think and levitate, (laughs) Um, I'm going to tell you this, guess what? It's in, it's impossible to not think because that's your brain's job. The real purpose of meditation, and there's a lot of different ways to do that, whether it's, you know, through chanting, through mindfulness meditation, through Zen, through staring at a candle, guided meditations, the real purpose of meditation is to expand the range of experiences in which we feel free. People talk about yeah. Just write that one down and let yes. that sink in. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. yeah, The purpose of meditation is to expand the range of experiences in which we we'll feel, which we feel free. Now people have this idea of financial freedom or that freedom means you have lots of time. I would actually argue that the only source of true suffering that any human experiences comes from the conscious mind. It's from these stories that we tell ourselves. The purpose of meditation is to take you out of that running stream of consciousness. I'll tell you this: if you're starting out as a new meditator and you sit down and you think, "I'm not going to think," <laughs> yeah. wrong. The brain's job is to think. So, find what a good would you teacher that
0: as as somebody's getting into meditation, like where do they start? You listed a bunch of different ones. Is there better ones? Yeah.
1: I mean, I would reach out to people if you have mentors that know or understand the purpose, the process of meditation. You know, there's classes, there's a meditation center just opened up here in Victoria. It's awesome. Sometimes meditation happens in the form of prayer. You know, I remember going to church on Sundays and just being like, I always left there feeling so peaceful. Mm-hmm. Meditation is different. For some people, meditation is. For my wife, it's on a bicycle, like grinding up a hill for an hour. Well,
0: I was going to ask because um, runner's high is, yeah. I'm a long distance runner and runner's high is um, one of the best forms. But I'm like, am I allowed to say that I'm meditating while running and trying not to get bitten? You're by allowed it? to say whatever you want, okay. Lauren. Do you, know, you what? know what? If you go into an altered state of consciousness, you
1: are freeing the mind. And I think that's possible with something like a runner's high
0: and just so typical typical of our society to take something whose purpose is to expand and give more freedom, and try and put like so many labels around. Like, yeah. am I doing it right? And it's like, no, you're doing it wrong because you're asking if you're doing it right. That's yeah, the only you, part of this that's. Wrong. You know what? You can't. There's
1: not wrong ways, but maybe there's better ways. And um, I
0: recommend. <laughs> Spoken like a great teacher. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, you are. You suck at this. Get better. And you're like, well, there's ways to be better. I would maybe recommend
1: for the pure novice um, getting an app called Insight Timer and maybe starting with some guided meditation or chanting. And then the other piece is really to create a daily practice. And if you can, you know, commit to, and why I always say at least get to double digits, commit to 11 minutes a day and create a ritual around that where maybe you find a sacred space, you light a candle Maybe read a passage. It could be from the Bible. For me, I read usually some sort of Buddhist transcript and often I read Pema Chodron who I love, love, love. It's been a mentor of mine for about 30 years of been studying Pema Chodron. And um, yeah, make a sacred ritual around it and make that commitment to self. And, and and I think if you can make a daily practice at least one time a day of at least 11 minutes, um, you're on the way, and be forgiving, that like uh, yeah, else like your first ease the path. Yourself, like yes, easing the path for others also means easing the path for self, right? Like we have to be kind and gentle. That's something that Pema always says is that kindness for others starts with gentleness for the, with yourself.
0: So you seem to have a um a very strong theological and philosophical background mixed in with the deep scientific knowledge has having a faith tradition and mysticism caused any problems or arguments as you deal with other scientists? Like I would, I would assume it's a pretty atheist slash agnostic group. It's not,
1: but I totally hear what you're saying. And, you know, I have definitely bumped up against those things. And, uh, you know, 50-year-old me is really different than 30-year-old me because I'm no longer <laughs> <laughs> getting a bite bars. It takes a lot to, you know, rile me up. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, and I remember when I students would ask me all the time, how can you be so into the philosophy and the science at the same time? There's this quote from Albert Einstein. Ah, oh, what is it? It's like science without religion now religion without science is I know what quote you're talking about let me look it up I'm gonna look it up really quickly okay. because Kirby. I don't want to forget it it's such a good quote science without
0: religion you're gonna have to edit this now uh, Sorry. Nope. Kirby found it science without religion is lame religion without science is blind is yeah that it? that's it yeah.
1: Okay. Science without religion is, religion without science is lame. Is that what it is? The science without religion is lame. <laughs> and, religion and Religion without, without science, science is, blind. is
0: blind.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So for me, yeah, you know what? So science, people have this idea that science is this like, it's the cold hardest thing. That it's me- perfect. Well, or that it's like perfect. You might notice that if you look at anything, even Einstein's theory of relativity is a theory. In science, very few things, except maybe in like particle physics, are accepted as absolute fact everything is theoretical and you know what just as soon as one science paper gets published the next week there's something else refuting it so this idea that we like just we have to hold on to this one truth yeah i think we're going to find and probably not in my lifetime that our current attachment to like hard science it'll be toppled by you know, a greater understanding of the energy of the world. I mean, particle physics is already there. Quantum physics is already talking about these things that we deem in, you know, the not particle physical world as metaphysical.
0: It's already happening. Look at- Yeah, I was going to say there's already conversations with Joe Dispenza bringing in like, yeah, and I just picture- scientists getting all squirmy in their lab coats being like how do i prove that type of thing but you're saying like no it's it's been breaking down and that's not it's a false interpretation of what science is yeah um so what do you kind of back to the philosophy in science and chiropractic what do you like versus not like that is being said around chiropractic subluxation Uh,
1: Great question. You know, um, one of the things I teach about when I go and speak at conferences is um, the neurophysiology of subluxation. So there's this whole faction uh, within chiropractic, a large faction that's really focused on just making chiropractic a musculoskeletal um, industry or Mm -hmm. musculoskeletal profession. It's really strong in Canada really yeah. strong in other countries too like australia and and you know some of that i think comes from fear from a scarcity mentality and i'm not going to i don't want to start i don't want to get into a whole you know
0: Oh yeah. We're, you know what, we're a mixer and straight like love fest here. Like yeah, I, there's no like for, hate towards anyone. So yeah. yeah. And me too. Like everybody gets to be in the realm that they're in.
1: But for yep. me, the given that we have science that shows us like beyond a reasonable doubt that we are impacting brain function when you adjust somebody that we're impacting neurology. I don't know. I don't know why you'd want to take out the neuro from the neuromusculoskeletal. Uh, you know everybody doesn't have back and neck pain uh, but everybody has a brain mm-hmm. so why not talk about it um so why do you think canada isn't wanting to talk about it you know it's complicated it's a very different you know we have it's got to be politics, i'm going to i'm right? air quoting yeah, free air healthcare quoting. I'm air quoting free healthcare. It's not really free because, you know, we pay pretty high taxes to get access to really a sick care model, you know, to go to a medical doctor. Really, you don't go because you're feeling good. You go because there's, you know, something happening. And so there's this idea that anything outside of that that's a paid service is really um, a luxury. And uh, it's really tied into insurance and things like that. And I think the whole insurance racket creates a different story where chiropractic service it comes from.
0: Yeah. They need it to make sense because, and it's not, you know, it's kind of different because I was saying like, Oh, do scientists struggle with this? Like kind of more woo, woo blah, blah, blah. But I have a feeling that who struggles with the, again, I'll do air quotes, woo, woo of chiropractic, meaning the philosophy <laughs> um, and it being more than musculoskeletal are like business models and like insurance, you know, adjusters being like, no, I need to know like what percentage is this, that. And it's like, and we're just like free love, man. And they're like, no, it's not working. Yeah.
1: But here's the hard truth, Lauren. And that is we actually now have science that shows we're impacting neurology in particular, not just peripheral neurology, but the brain with the adjustment. So the science exists. It's not woo woo. Yeah. And uh I think this focus on musculoskeletal is really taking us away from the deep heart of the purpose of why we do what we do as chiropractors.
0: Um do you're gonna get fired up to like because, yeah, you know, I am sure you hear over and over and over, there's no research, blah, blah, blah. We hear, it, you know, um, yeah, I get I, fired up to like, be like, um, actually, hi, Dr. I Mow do here. it all the time. I shout it from every stage that I'm involved
1: in. I sit on the IFCO uh, board um, to help really continue to promulgate the message that this is a, you know, we have a practice that's focused on subluxation that's unique to chiropractic. You know, other people maybe have the intention to remove interference from the nervous system in other ways or inter- to remove, you know, any interference to innate intelligence. You know, acupuncture is focused on freeing energy in the body. Um, what's unique to chiropractic is this idea of subluxation. And that's, we own that. We own that word.
0: I don't know why anybody would want to get rid of it. See, now you're getting me riled up. <laughs> it happens on the show. Don't worry. You haven't even swore yet. Um, okay. So is there a path in your opinion to getting that research in front of insurance companies and making an impact that way? I mean, I would oh, assume... Is cheaper to be treated by chiropractic versus pharmaceuticals. So like, I, I just can't wrap my head around why they're not like, no,
1: this. it's very political, Lauren. It's not as simple as get the, get the research in front of them because the research is out there. It exists. Um, and, and neuroscience is uncovering more and more and more. It's really political. And I, I don't have all the answers, but yep. I can recommend is that, you know, chiropractors that are philosophical, I hate even that we have to say it's philosophical. Chiropractors that, and I won't say believe because it's science, you don't have to believe it. Chiropractors that are invested in maintaining the idea of subluxation and that subluxation interferes with our body's ability to express itself at it's fully, they should get involved with political organizations like the IFCO. They should get involved with their state organizations and things like that because the only way to create change is by having a voice. BJ. Not BJ, BK, Brian Kelly used to say, if you're not at sitting at the table, you're for dinner. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so I think we've definitely addressed some of the biggest threats um, to chiropractic. What would you say some of the biggest opportunities are to chiropractic over the next like 10 years?
1: Yeah, I think if we can um, just stay true to the message. You know, here's the thing if we, if when we adjust somebody, we're impacting consciousness. Wow, that then maybe every chiropractor and I imagine I hope every chiropractor is getting adjusted. I certainly know philosophical philosophy-based chiropractors are all getting adjusted regularly. I hope they are. Um, maybe we're going to have the most expansive consciousness there is, right? Maybe we won't be as stuck in ego. Um, if we are uniting man the physical with man the spiritual and maybe we're Get to create this existence where we're at such a high level of being, a high level of vibration. That, we, you know, talk to Donnie Epstein. He says, I love this quote from Donnie. He says, We're not adjusting spines, we're adjusting destiny. And it's something I say all the time from the stage because I want people to understand the like magnitude of what it is that we get to do every time we lay our hands on somebody. There's the gift, there's the opportunity. We need to own that.
0: So with an adjustment, how important do you think it is that the adjustor, the chiropractor, has intent? I think intent is massive. Intent is massive.
1: Because if you're not clear on your intention, I mean, if you're not paying attention to what you're doing, you can just as easily as cause harm as you can create positive change. You can't.
0: I don't necessarily mean like, you know, I can be like very much know that I'm adjusting a, you know, subluxated T3 with the right rotation, posterior, blah, 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 all the letters. Um, But what I mean by intention is like, that quantum physics level of like, I am setting this bone and establishing consciousness for this patient. Like, I wish we could have research saying like how powerful one adjustment is without intent and feeling versus like, because I was reading Joe Dispenza's book where he was talking about, um, where they had people in one of the, I don't know what I can get you the research in his book, but like, so they had people who were trained in like heart mapping or some kind of like meditation. Heart math. Yeah. Heart Heart math Math Institute.
1: Yeah. It's uh, a heart rate variability, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And and coherence.
0: Yeah. And so they had them hold test tubes of DNA in deionized water and um, try to just like have an intent of unwinding. They didn't get anything done. Then they had people hold it with like a positive feeling and an intent of, no, of unwinding. And like 25% of the DNA unwound because they, but it needed that intention and feeling so then I like look at an adjustment and like what I'm capable of doing. And I'm like, how much more powerful are my adjustments? If I am like zoned in and present and like there doing that. I can, what a great
1: question. Right. And one that I, I can't answer from an empirical perspective that nobody has answered from an empirical perspective. But you know, if I'm, guessing if i'm imagining i can only imagine that it's more powerful now is that to say that those chiropractors out there making an adjustment without that intention if they're making the adjustment thinking i'm going to move this bone so that the biomechanics are better because muscle there's a musculoskeletal mm-hmm. problem i think that's still incredibly impactful yes Agree. is it as impactful as somebody you know putting on their you know super clear perspective i'm adjusting from source
0: To impact humanity? I don't know. Maybe not. I was thinking realistically in practice how difficult that would be. I would just like walk into the room um, and I would just be, because we have like a relatively high volume pediatric practice. So just imagine like walking into a room of chaos and like the parents trying to tell me about their ear infection, their kid's ear infection, and me just being like, shh, quiet, lay down. I mean, (laughs) it's not like, like, oh, if you see the Packers? And I'm like, shut up. I'm adjusting you. <laughs> so
1: when you get when you get really good at your meditation practice, you will be able to free your mind in a second to drop into that in an instant within the midst of
0: all the chaos. I okay, guarantee. So it's it. weird you should say that because so I um, signed up for like a 21 day guided meditation um, with this guy. I don't know what his like official job title would be um masajadi and anyway so i'm only in like day eight and i realized that i could drop into this like numb feeling in my and i guess that's the only way i can describe it as like i could drop in within like a second to this numb feeling but then ego wanted to come in and be like no You're not doing it right. There's no way that you are able to be meditating this well this soon. Like you're lying to yourself type thing. And I'm like,
1: so here's the invitation. Okay. I'm going to invite you now. And that is to let go of indulging your mind. So when you get to that place, just, hear it there's a technique it's called RAIN where you recognize oh there's a shitty thought or there's any thought so your thought is no I can't be doing it right RAIN RAIN stands for recognize so you're like oh there's a thought acknowledge oh I'm having a thought <laughs> Interesting. I would think that about myself <laughs> Yes. and then uh, the I in RAIN is inspect so you can go I'm having it it's okay um, maybe look at it a little bit. Don't start to go down a whole path with a grocery list. And then the last, uh, of the acronym is N, which is, uh, they say non-attached. I also think non-judgment. So to just see that it's there, acknowledge that it's there, maybe go, huh, that's interesting. And then don't judge yourself for having it, but non attach and let it go. It's called the RAIN technique. You can google it it's all over the place it's great technique though when you're first learning because we have again it goes back to the idea we need to be gentle with ourselves especially when we're learning something new
0: yeah and it's good to know like there's a technique so this is like again back to the judging like this is something that all beginner and probably not even beginners deal with like you probably very much are you could be a professional meditator and like get a phone call that your mom's going into a hospital and you might struggle that day being super focused you know so any day i've been
1: meditating for years and i have a regular daily practice and you know every day is 100 percent different that's the beauty of it you can count on it it's going to be different every time And some days I can be zenned out for like 60 minutes and other days I'm just like, kills me to get to 11 minutes. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not, this is a, yeah. Again, I think if you just try and make it a daily practice, create some ritual around it, it's, you'll find it's worth the investment.
0: Yeah. So the Prana Foundation is kind of like what your focus is on now a hundred percent. um, So how do you determine kind of like what's next for the Prana Foundation? Like, are you just really tapped in? Do you have like, do you have all these like ideas? Do you have a scientist notebook where you're like, okay, and as soon as this gets up, I can't wait to start investigating like this. Like how do these topics kind of come to you? There's
1: some note, there's definitely some notebooks. Uh, There's a lot of planning that's gone in it. Again, we just launched a... Um, just before Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. but we have a lot of things planned. One of our, really one of our, you know, bread and butters is, are the retreats? So we have another retreat. We just did one in December. We have another retreat and we're doing them in Costa Rica. Probably we'll start doing them in Victoria later in the year. Uh, Victoria, Canada. We live in British Columbia. Once it gets a little uh, warmer. We have another one coming in uh, March, March 28th, April 3rd. So we still have some spaces on that one. So retreats are one thing. We also do educational seminars. Um, my wife is doing a uh, foundation seminar in the Bay Area next weekend. Um, so lots of different things like that. And really focusing on creating this free community on Facebook so that we have you know, resources available to students, to new docs, uh, to seasoned docs for that matter, uh, that we can come and just create a conversation, have connection.
0: Yeah, I like that um, as this place, because I agree with you. It is so needed. I'm a part of a couple different groups on Facebook, and I feel like every single day I see a chiropractor posting like, what do we have for research on... X, Y, or Z. And it's like, how has somebody not created a damn forum so far of just all this in one spot? So let
1: me address that for you. And that is specifically on the science end of things. Um, I'm about to launch a brand new program that I'll be hosting on behalf of the foundation. It's called Dr. Mono's and Dr. Monos is like gonna,
0: a really good podcast name.
1: Yeah. Doesn't it only, I'm going to take it one step further and it's not, it's going to be similar to a podcast, but actually it's going to be a live call in, and people will be able to, Um, call in and ask me questions about the science, mostly around chiropractic. And uh, I'll be launching that program, Dr. Mo knows, very soon, and people will see how they can get access to the program and what that's going to look like. But I'm going to be laying down the science in an easy-to-digest way so that people can take that message and communicate it themselves. So for me, it's not enough to get people fired up about the science. I want
0: them to be able to communicate it. Um, and yeah, will other so. people be able to listen to the calls or will it be like a one-on-one only private? Call? No, it's going
1: to be group call in. I'm going to okay. do it via probably zoom conference calls and, um, it'll be a subscription service that people can pay for and dial into, but I'll be launching that within the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to air, but, um, look for Dr. Mono's and there's nothing like it out there. I've always thought that. And I'm like, how can I, I'm passionate about this, having this interaction, right? I don't want to be a talking head in a computer. I want, I thrive under the fire of questions. And so I'm really excited to launch Dr. Mono's and put that venue out there. where literally, we're having this interactive
0: experience around the science. Yeah, that is really, Unique. I cannot think of anything like that. And I me mean, neither. That's why I created it. You're like, yeah, I know. I'm really <laughs> smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, what other things can and should we be consuming? You men- mentioned Pima, uh, Pema Children,
1: Pema Children, Pema Children. Um, I highly recommend reading, watching anything Pema Children. Um, what else? do you read, watch, listen to that inspires you? Um, I also mentioned Insight Timer in terms of a meditation app for beginners. And I I even still use that sometimes. Um, What else? I'm a big fan of uh, Gabor Mate. He's a... Did you say Gobbler Mate? (laughs) Gabor, G-A-B-O-R. Oh, that is not what okay. <laughs> the first name. It sounds like Gabor, G A B O R Mate, okay. just like you know Mate, M A T E. Okay. Um, he writes something. I he wrote a great book called "When the Body Says No," and really talks a lot about understanding, you know, why we behave the way that we do and how we can change that.
0: Yes. Excellent. Okay. All right. Well. Um, thank you. So much, but you pr- exploded my brain like three or four times, or I like wrote down a quote, I'm gonna go back and listen and just be like, Kirby, what we need to have an hour long conversation around like expanding your access to freedom and like, so beautiful. Um, you dropped Where can people look for Dr. Monos? Like, what what website? Give us your handles. So,
1: So, yeah, uh, Dr. Monique is my website. The Prana we're a nonprofit organization, is another place you can find me all over Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I'm I'm at Dr. Monique Andrews, and I'll be launching the program uh, probably through Facebook mostly. So, you can find Dr. Monos there. You can find um, applications for our retreats. Go to our but
0: I go to like a retreat like that. It, Absolutely, I feel like oh, like what are you doing here, Lauren? There's like seven students and you,
1: and I'm like, no, I open. Our too. retreats are open to everybody, and we have workshops. We do service. We do uh, personal development through meditation. I do a, a um, altered consciousness breath workshop on there. There's it's awesome. We do ecstatic dance. It's I don't think there's anything out there like this that exists. I don't think so
0: either. I think yeah. you're incredible and unique and I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being on. You are definitely very cool. I, I <laughs> look forward to, um, we'll have to have you on again, maybe the end of 2020 and like touch base on how Dr. Mo knows is going. Thanks, and, Lauren. Yeah.
1: And I would be remiss if I didn't tell people that I'm going to be at Cal Jam on Valentine's Day with another guru of consciousness, Russell Brand, but uh, get yourself to Cal jam. Um, yeah. Awesome. All
0: right. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much. And she slayers reach out. If she has que- if you have questions, um, I know she'd love to answer them and until next week. Bye guys. Thank you.